welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Shad. This week we're covering 1987's Return to Salem's Lot. This town is dead until after dark. Welcome to Salem's Lot. Stephen King brought them to life. Vampires. Now. What are you doing here? They rise from their graves again. As only Stephen King could create them. A Return to Salem's Lot, directed by Larry Cohen. Notice how I didn't say Stephen King's Return to Salem's Lot. (laughs) Because he has no association to this film. No, there is nothing to do with Stephen. There is barely any mention of anything in this movie that, you know, it's, it's very strange. And are they returning to Salem's Lot? No, they kind of went there for the first time. So technically, we're going back to Salem's Lot, but none of the characters are. They This is their first trip. And this is not the one with Rob Lowe, which I thought many, many times when we discussed we were going to be covering this film. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, to be honest. Yeah, neither have I, but I'm dying to see it. Because it's got to be better than this. It's probably not better. I heard it's actually terrible. But it, this was pretty pretty bad. No offense. Let's start off. For those of you who know who, who was responsible for this film. And that is Larry Cohen. Yeah, he wrote and directed this. And it's... Uh, I, I was researching it and it said this is considered to be his worst movie. And I would agree. This is probably his worst movie. And that's saying something. Okay, let's not get crazy. I like me some Larry Cohen. Not this film, though. (laughs) Not this film. Uh, The film has recognizable faces. I'm going to start off with the ladies. Okay. Okay, ladies first. We have Ronnie Blakely. And if you don't know who the hell that is, when you see her face, you would know. She plays Sally in this film. She is from Night Round Elm Street. She's Heather Lennon Cap's mom. So she's in the film. And then also there is a very young Tara Reed. Yeah. Who is Amanda in the film. I mean, I'm talking about like, how old is she? Maybe 10, 12? Yeah, I was going to say 12. She's very young in the film. Now the gentleman. Ah, of course. Since it's a Larry Cohen movie, you have to have Michael Moriarty in it because what's a Cohen movie without him in it? He's in uh, in a few of his, most notably Q the Winged Serpent, Island of the Alive. Yeah, he's he's done some Larry Cohen films. And you also have Samuel Fuller playing uh, Dr. Uh, Van Meer in this, which is kind of a play on the name of a character from say, the original Salem's Life, which was Ben Mears, and this guy's name is Van Meer. And he's notable not just so much for his acting, but he's written quite a few movies, including uh, the infamous movie White Dog about the racist dog and that movie The Big Red One. That's just the name of The Big Red One. That film, White Dog, is part of that Criterion collection. Yeah. Uh, I remember I've seen this film. It is pretty intense. Let's talk about Dr. Van Meer, who is my favorite character, actually, in this film. Yeah. Because Dr. Van Meer is, like, my best description of him. He's a Seinfeld character that's a vampire hunter. Okay? Yeah, a vampire Nazi hunter. Nazi hunter. Let's. He's old. He's sweaty. He has pants up to his nipples. Okay? Hair like Albert Einstein. 
And he's carrying a cigar for a long time in this film. Yeah. And you originally, he's just there like, hey, I'm looking for my friend. Then you figure out, oh, he's a Nazi hunter. And he's looking for what he thinks is a Nazi in this town. Instead of Nazis, he finds vampires. And, you know, most people would be like, and I'm just going to continue my Nazi, you know, search and adventure and get the fuck out of here. you know, these vampires have nothing to do with what I'm looking for. Let me just get the fuck out of here. And he's like, no, bitch, I am joining this man and the hunt down for vampires. And then he's like... Well versed in the vampire like yes, lore. Suddenly he became fucking Van Helsing uh, like overnight. Yeah, he's he's the best. Well, let's not jump the gun, okay? So we have a father and son who moved to Salem's Lot. Oh yes, and Michael Moriarty is a hard hitting news reporter. He's right up there with Richard Dees when it comes to assholes. My thing is when he got his son, because the film is very strange. Michael Marty is, you know, in the midst of some bullshit. And he's like out in the Central American jungle. Yeah. And he gets a call and he's like, oh. No, no, no. no. They come to pick him up in a boat. Like they just come up and they go, telephone call for you, sir. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? You're out in the Amazon. These guys just track you down in a fucking boat. Like, what the hell? kind of clout does this guy have that they're just tracking him down like this is not a cell phone time period this is like 1987 they literally had to call them long distance get in a boat go down the river and find him wherever the fuck he was so they really really must have put a fire into these people's ass they must have because let me tell you you would think oh shit there's a terrible emergency back home the emergency was the ex-wife is like i cannot handle your son anymore come get his ass (laughs) Yeah, that's some shit when you're just like, yeah, um, I just, I know I've had you put your whole life on hold and come up here in an emergency, but your son's being a dickhead and I can't handle it anymore. Can you deal with your son? That was the emergency. So he goes and gets his son and then on the way, he's like, so we have two things we can go. We can go here because for work, we can go here or I just got this uh, weird thing from like my great aunt or whatever, who's not really my aunt, wink, wink, but she left me this house. Let's go check it out. And I'm like, I thought you were looking for work. Like at first he says like, there's going to be some work there. It wasn't the work that he was getting paid for. It was work that he did not want to do, which is fucking hunt down or I shouldn't say hunt down because they live in a damn town. Fight against vampires. Yeah. So he can fight for his son. Who he didn't even give three shits about, like, the first 13 years of his life. But okay, let's do this. And he inherits his house from his aunt, and it's a fucking dump. Oh, yeah. Calling that place a dump is actually an insult to dumps. It looks like the kind of place... There's a house like that in, like, almost every neighborhood that looks like it should have been torn down 20 years ago, but for some reason it's still fucking standing and some asshole's still trying to sell it. They've got the sign out front going, it just needs a little tender loving care. And while you look at it, your gaze caused a piece of the roof to fall off. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's it's pretty terrible. But it's free. And when you drive into the town, I immediately thought Beetlejuice. Like, it reminded me of, like, the small little town, which we didn't even get, like, encompassed the whole town in Beetlejuice. We're in there for five seconds of the fucking hardware store. We see more of the town in the model than we do the actual town. But it reminds me of that. And this film, I mean, 
just I, I I couldn't with this movie. Just it, you I drive in like you drive in and you're like yeah, make a U turn and just get the fuck out of there because it is desolate. There is no. It's like broad daylight when they arrive. There is nothing going on. That should be a first indicator. This is like a fucking ghost town. There's something off about this place. Yeah, and... Especially because he grew up there, for the most part, you know. And then I love after they're there for a little bit, and the sheriff comes to check on them. The sheriff doesn't drive up, like, the road to the house, which we never really see them drive up a road to the house. The sheriff just drives up through, like, a fucking field and parks, like, in the field near the house. And you're like... Why the fuck? Like, this is one of those movies where they just make weird choices. Like, why wouldn't the sheriff have just parked on the road and walked over or pulled up in their driveway? No, he parks, like, in a fucking field and walks through the tall grass to get to talk to him. And there's, like, some people <laughs> that are, like, in the town that I guess maybe driving through, but we don't really know. They're, they are driving through, like, a punk. It was, like, a punk band in a van. And they get pulled over by the freaking the, the sheriff guy. And he's just there to, like, literally be, like, the lore for the vampires to come and attack and, like, murder these people. And that's how the fucking movie, like, gets going. Because, of course, one of the girls escapes and she, you know, goes to hide out in different areas. And she ends up at this dude's house. Yep, she ends up at Michael Moriarty's son's house. And then they, you know, she's... They call the sheriff, but she's like, no, no, the sheriff is in on it. So they decide to go to the town council like you do. Not realizing, of course, the town council is also in on it. Yeah, and also the uh, mayor or whatever, the head of the town, is the head vampire. Yeah, basically 99% of the town is vampires. There's a few people left as human that like work the gas station and do things during the day and take care of them, but almost every one of the towns a vampire. Yeah, and immediately you find out he finds out Michael Marty finds out. Oh shit! My wink wink great aunt. She never died. She's just a vampire, and they just lured me here with this free fucked up house to help them write the story of vampirism and like. You know, he's because he, he's a writer and he's gonna he's gonna write this whole epic story of it. You know, the history of it all, and that's like his whole point. They're not gonna kill him because they need him to write this story, and as a special incentive for oh. him to stay. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> They're like, hey, Dan. This character's name is Dan. Remember back when you were 17 and that really hot neighbor chick that you wanted to bang, but you never got a chance to? Well, guess what? She's still here, and she's still 17 because she's a vampire. Her name is Kathy. So Kathy's here. She's still 17. Wink, wink. Even though she's 140 in real years, she still looks 17. So you get the chance to bang your 17-year-old crush again, even though you're 40. She's still 17 and looks, so you get to live out that fantasy, Michael Moriarty. You get to go bang your 17-year-old crush when you're 40. Yeah, and he's all about it. He like He's like, what, Kathy? Like, How literally... is this possible? L- and where is the nearest fucking bed? Because we need to bang now. He's just unbuttoning his shirt yeah. as, as, as he's like looking at her. And she just lures him into the bedroom. She's like, this is where we're going to go, Joe. 
and they just go straight to doing it. And I'm going to, I have to say that they do it many times in the film. For me, it was like every scene that they were in together, they were fucking. He's like, I'm going to leave now. She's like, but we could fuck. And he's like, all right. I guess I'll stay a little longer. Yeah. He's very much enthralled. I don't, I first I thought it was maybe like the vampire lore, like, you know, when they put him in the trance, because he's like, how is this, how is this, uh, uh, you know, whatchamacallit, how is this a thing, you know, how could you be real? How is it possible? And he's like making out with her and, you know, ripping her shirt off, the titties are exposed, and he's just going to town, but yet, he just found out the whole thing of vampires. So it's like, of course, that's how it's possible, Joe. He, she's a fucked vampire. He didn't care. He was like, this is the girl I've been wanting to bang for over 20 years. And she's here looking just like she did. And she doesn't mind that I'm 40 now and half bald. Yeah. This is the other hilarious thing. He went there looking for his son. Like, his son was, like, missing like they they got the they, they got, got separated. separated and he's like oh whatever and and then he sees his son playing with the fucking kids and the guy's like don't worry about it. they're they're children they're just gonna play whatever all the while distracting him with the vagina so then the son the whole thing is they want to make the son a freaking vampire I don't know I guess to probably keep the line of vampires alive or. To, you know, hold it as a ransom thing over his head so that he could finish the story and never leave the town. Yeah, like, oh, your son's a vampire now. You have to stay, I guess. I don't but know. But every time he tells his son to stay put or is even concerned at all at looking at him, that's when Kathy comes around and distracts him with her tits. And my, he's like, oh, well, my, what? My son? I'm so... oh." My pants are coming off. Like, <laughs> I think one of my favorite parts of the movie is the kids at the school are putting on the school play like all the little kids do. And the school play is Dracula. No, oh, yeah. They're putting on their version of Dracula. You're like, oh, come on, guys. But, uh, yeah, and you get, like, the crazy shit. That's why one of the times he's out kind of looking for his son is when he runs into the Van Meer character. And you see him, like... He's just randomly there, and he's doing the, like, oh, yeah, I'm just an old guy kind of thing, you know. He's doing that, like, weird voice and everything and then pretty soon you figure out oh no he's actually the like he's there hunting nazis but like you said it takes him two seconds of like oh these aren't nazis they're vampires he's like well fuck let's just kill them they're the same thing yeah so they gang up together and they go on their little we're gonna go get the son obviously we gotta rescue him and we're just gonna have to take the vampires down and he tells me you wait you gotta kill the head vampire <laughs> always so i love that this movie though like like all these movies with vampires they always wait like i was like well of course they waited until like five minutes before sundown to start this fucking vampire killing crusade maybe it would have been better off to just start burning the things then they're like let's start setting the houses on fire and i'm like oh god damn they heard me they just start going around setting all the fucking houses on fire full of vampires. I'm like, well, that's that's one way to do it. Yeah, let's not start. Let's not start late in the day. You're like, oh, let's wake up, and when we do, we're gonna have to go to everyone's house to stab them in the heart because they're sleeping. Yeah, that's how they started. They finally realized that wasn't a good idea. No, because they literally woke up. They had breakfast. They talked about their day. Maybe they played some fucking cards. Come fucking 4.35 p.m. Oh, shit, we've already had break. Now it's time for lunch. we got a break for lunch now. Exactly. They had lunch. Everybody rested after lunch. They took a nap. Then they got around to starting the vampire killing at 4.30 when the sun goes down at fucking 5. Yeah, and they're like, oh, maybe that's when we should... 
yeah, they're waking up, guys. Maybe start your day at 8 a.m. and start taking down all the vampires so then you don't get caught in a fucking vampire, like, oh, shit, you know, scenario where you have to fight them because they're awake and they're way stronger than you because, you know, they're a fucking vampire. I, I don't know. You have literally, you know, Michael Morty and then, like, a 75-year-old man. This is not who's, like, he's wearing, like, Dr. Show shoes. He's wearing the suit. That's like way too big for him. That's like literally he's just like a he's just like a hanger, you know, and, and a cigar hanging out of his mouth. And he did bring a gun. He did. He did he bring brought a, a gun. He brought a gun to a vampire fight though, so that's not the best tool you could bring. But of course, like in all things, because you know, him and Kathy just been banging all around town. They banged in the old place that they first had their first fucking kiss down by the damn lake in the grass, you know, the swamp. They banged in the room upstairs where all the other vampires were literally downstairs hearing every single creak from the fucking bed. They're banging all over the place, right? What happens when when you bang a young 17-year-old vampire, you get it pregnant. <laughs> and she gets pregnant. Even more of a, you can never leave. We got you by the balls now. We got your son. We're turning him into a vampire. You know, Tara Reid is taking care of that. That's her whole thing in the movie. She's the little girl that's literally, you know, trying to lure the little, the, his son, who's also a teenager, you know, kissing him and holding hands and whatever. You know, and, if we were a vampire, we could make out forever. Exactly. And, and, and he's all free, about it. And he had a free small soda at the movies. And also, at the beginning of the Simpsons film, at the beginning of the film, the son, he does tell his father that he was done being a kid. He was just dying to be an adult. So they kind of like foreshadow there that the kid was going to be immediately okay with becoming a vampire, being young forever. Like he's just, I'm, I'm done being a kid. I want to do what I want to do. You know, he's smoking cigarettes. He's doing all, this kid is out of control. That's why the mom was like, come okay, get him. This is one of my favorite parts though of it is when they're like, they're going down the road to the town and he tells the kid who's like 13, all right, you want to drive for a while? And he just hands the car over to this kid with no license, no fucking, it just like, it just lets the kid drive. It's the 80s, man. It's the 80s. The crazy time. Crazy times. So she becomes pregnant and then she, like a day later, she's already showing like she's three months pregnant because, you know, it's vampire rape. Mm, I'd be suspicious of that. <laughs> like, mm, is that my baby? We have to call Maury on that one. So, you know, of there always has to come the point in the movie where it's time to have like the whole showdown, right? So here's Dr. Van Meer. He's going to go against the judge. He's the, the head of the town. Because, of course, it's a small town. He's the mayor. He's the judge. He's the barber. Like, he has all the professions, right? He's that's, everything. That's that guy. And you've seen the judge around lurking in the shadows. Let me tell you. <laughs> the makeup is so bad in oh, this. Oh, yeah. The acting is terrible. But the makeup is so bad that he, the vampire, the main vampire, which is the judge... He looks like a puppet out of Ghoulies, like, but oversized. It's yeah. just, and, but worse, because of, at least the Ghoulies, they look cute. and He you looks know. like if they made an, a giant-sized Ghoulie puppet out of Muppet fabric. <laughs> That's what the, like, the, like, Nosferatu vampire looks like. He's like Muppet Ratu on here, and it is terrible. So, Dr. Van Meer, you know... Of course, you gotta fight the vampires. A whole room of vampires, and it's him and the freaking Michael Morty. 
and he shoots the judge in the head twice. And the judge takes it like a fucking champ. He's like, a gun? <laughs> I'm the head vampire. The bullets are just sticking on his forehead, yeah. too. They're just, like, sticking out like a fucking stick or something. And Dr. Ramir literally limps away because he, he got hurt. So he's been limping, like, for a while now. He limps away. And he says, you'll never make a blood suck out of me. And then he shoots himself in the heart. <laughs> but it gets better. It gets better. He faked it. He fake shot himself in the heart so that he could lure those vampires into a false sense of security. Because he comes back later to kill some more vampires. Yeah, man, he does. And I, 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 I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. I just, I was just cracking the fuck up because I, what is this film? I feel like so whole time I was saying, like, what is this movie? Listen, this is one of those movies that I feel like if you were really high when you watched it, it might make sense. Or and it might be the best fucking movie you ever saw. Yeah. But if you see this movie with no, no, you know, inebriation or something to alter your mind... This movie is just fucking crazy. It makes no goddamn sense. Don't never make a blood suck out of me. Like it, and there's so many like fucking golden lines in the film. He says a whole bunch of crazy shit in this movie, Doctor Van Meer. I mean, they both do. <laughs> and you're just like, I don't know. It's it's very strange. It, it couldn't decide if it wanted to be a comedy, if it was going to be a straight horror movie, or what. What the hell it was going to be, because it was just all over the place. There's not, literally, like I said, you have maybe four or five people at the beginning, the, the, the kids that run into the town in their van. Those are the only, them and the kid and his dad, or the only, and Dr. Van Meer later on, are the only, like, living people until maybe, I don't know, almost the end of the movie where... A bus line. <laughs> a bus full of old people. The Peter Pan bus line, okay, <laughs> rolls in full of people, and they're like, oh, sorry, there was a detour. Uh, we're just going to need you to get out. And they're literally standing in the line, like, waiting for the bus, you know, to fucking whatever, for the detour to be cleaned up or whatever fucking excuse the vampires gave them. And they're literally, all the vampires just come out of the bushes and just ramsack like everyone, like murder everybody right there on the fucking lawn. <laughs> they take the one sip and they're done. they're done. And I'm like, what? That's it. There's no other living people. So there's no conflict. You just have, I mean, I know it's a, it's a Larry Cohen movie. It's just, it's made, you know, small budget, you know, but indie there still film. had to be a way to do this and still have it make sense, you know? And they, like you said, there's no tie to the original film. You know, I, I don't even, did they just buy the name Salem's Lot? Like, there's nothing connected to, I don't even think, is Stephen King's name even mentioned in the credits? Yeah, it's listed in the credits, like, based on Salem's Lot, written by Stephen King. Okay, and... yeah, that's... Whatever. Now, because a lot of people may or may not know this, there's a new TV show that's coming out that's with Adrian Brody, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's based off the uh, one of the stories that was set before Salem's Lot called Jerusalem's Lot, and uh, the name of the, they've changed the name of it though. I guess they don't want to be associated with all the Salem's Lot stuff that was going on, so it's called Chapelweight. And it's the story of a guy who sets up a house in Jerusalem's lot and finds out there's crazy shit going on underneath it. Yeah, I hope it's better than than that uh, Castle Rock because because that was a hot mess. Yeah, every season of Castle Rock was like, oh, 
this looks promising, this looks good, this looks good. And at the end, you're like, well, that sucked. Yeah, I mean, the last one, I loved it. They mixed, you know, Jerusalem's lot, like, with, you know, the misery. Yeah. And I I liked it. It worked, and then then it didn't work. And I was just like, you had so much there, and the buildup. There's a lot of buildup, and then no reward. No payoff for it. And then at the very end of it, they, like, set up, like, more than one character. It's like, oh, my uncle was Jack Torrance, and I'm going off to to Colorado to see at the uh, hotel where he died at. We never saw another season of it again. No. I think they not. canceled that because Dr. Sleep was coming out and they didn't want another thing to tie into it. Probably. So they spent all that time setting that up and then there was just no payoff to that either. Yeah, which probably would have made that Dr. Sleep movie better, but I don't know why people like that movie. But anyways. Um, this one of the films where I read the novel and I love the novel so much that when I saw the trailer to the film, right off the bat when I saw who they had to be, uh Danny I was like that's not Danny and then and no offense to her McGregor he's an excellent actor but I was like that's not who is described in the novel and then all these other things and I was just like no no that didn't do anything for me I I hate I, I do not like that film a lot I know that you you, uh, you you're on the more positive end of it yeah, I need to watch that director's version of it that's on HBO Max now and see what it's like to see if it's any different. There's just plot holes and things missing and don't make sense. And it's just like, well, if you would, it was in the novel, you just would have explained that just a little better than maybe that would have been something. But okay. I know the ending wasn't going to be the same because you see Jack and they weren't going to have Jack Nicholson. Like, that wasn't going to be a thing. But nevertheless. So those are the little connections of like Stephen King's Salem's Lot, Jerusalem's Lot that have been in like recent, yeah. you know, recent TV shows and film. Um, but this movie. And they're doing a new Salem's Lot adaption now, supposedly. They just started casting that. So Really? Yeah. Oh, that's going to be terrible. I have no faith in that's going to be any good whatsoever because I just don't have faith in new things like that. But uh, I love the original film so much. I mean... Yeah, I, I do. I'm glad they finally put out the whole version of it because it was originally a two-night miniseries and they cut it down for a movie to be a two-hour movie so mm. they could release it in theaters and overseas. And that version of it cuts a lot of shit out. But like when there's like a three-hour or something version of it that's on... It's on the Blu-rays now. It's like the full miniseries. Oh, then we have to watch that because I don't think I... If I ever saw that, I saw it. If it was if it aired as a miniseries, a long time ago. Yeah, it was in the late seventies. It was a Toby Hooper film. Oh, so well, I know it's a Toby Hooper film. So I wasn't alive then. So I definitely did not. No, see you did it. not see it. Okay, okay, okay. I do remember seeing it because I'm old as hell. <laughs> you are part of Jerusalem's lot. You're I'm part of it. <laughs> you are. You're you're the one of the vampires that came off the the Peter uh, Pan bus line. By the way, because you did mention that we see Van Meer, let's see, let's tell them how we see Van Meer. So you're like, oh my gosh, there's no way that the father and the son are be able to get away. They're literally, they have no car, they're on foot, all the vampires are coming after them, you know, there's, they're, they're fucked. Then out of nowhere comes a Peter, Peter Van Bus line we had seen earlier. And you're like, who the fuck is driving this bus? Opens the fucking door. It's Van Meer. 
Which is, again, kind of a Seinfeld thing. He's driving the fucking bus like Kramer was in the episode. Uh, yeah, so it's it's just that this movie is just out of control. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> this, is a good, so this is a good movie to put on when you've got a party and there's going to be a bunch of people around. This is a good one to make fun of. But otherwise, for me, I give this one a good, solid half knife. Damn. I'm going to give it a full knife. Because there are some, uh, there are some, there is some nudity in the film. Verse light. And Dr. Van Meer, man, he did it for me. He, he got that half, the other half of the knife. That's, that's what I'm giving it to. <laughs> Just freaking great. Uh, we're actually doing a horror author month this month in September before we get into our favorite month, the only month that exists in our heart, which is October, um, for obvious reasons. And we, uh, you heard, if you are listening to this, you know, to us, we did last week, we did another Stephen King. We did the Night Flyer last week. It was just a Night Flyer vampire. Now we're back. The vampires again. With a vampire. With two vampires in a row. Sorry, folks. Related. You know, Stephen King does a lot of vampires. Not real. Mm, yes, he does. He has... I mean, okay, I don't mean like 29 vampires, but he has... There's some vampires, yeah. Vampires in there. It's like, oh, vampires. That's... It's Stephen King. I guess he likes the vampires. And, you know, he, he only has one werewolf, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't remember the other werewolves other than Silver Bullet. Silver Bullet? Oh, no. Isn't there another one that's a short story about... There might... Maybe? I don't know. I can't remember. But nevertheless, so we're going to be doing the rest of the month with some other horror authors, and we hope that you enjoy our September horror author series. We'll come up with a better name. (laughs) We should also do a playlist of all the movies, because we say this... We've said this many times. This is a film that you can have just in the background of the movies, our background... Our party uh, films okay, to play in the background. Maybe we'll do that for October. We'll just put it up in one of our, you know, in the social media out there. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Jump Scare. Stay tuned to the horror. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.